It is Thursday, August 3rd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The NFL preseason begins tonight. And maybe even more college football shuffling. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Hall of Fame game tonight. Big one between the Jets and the Browns. Scott's excited. No one else, though. You're not excited for football, AJ? This isn't football. This is football. No, this, we no, will be no, watching. No, no, this no, is the no, Vegas no. lead because the NFL season is officially here. Like, we are going to turn on our televisions tonight, mm-hmm. and there will be NFL football on. A real live broadcast uh-huh. of an NFL football game. That's not an NFL football game. I, I don't care if it's a preseason or backups or third stringers. This is an NFL game. You're jacked about that? Of course I'm jacked. We made it. We made it through the summer. We made it. We're here. We we haven't even started preseason football. This isn't even real preseason. This football. is preseason football. This is week zero. <laughs> preseason football. Hall of Fame game tonight. Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. The Jets and the Browns and Mackenzie Rivers with us as always. Talk to me about all the movement that we had on the spread and total for this game. It's been insane. I mean, you could have three points of line value in either direction, t- side and total. Uh, let's start with the side. Browns opened up as one-and-a-half-point favorites. They got bet up. They were two-and-a-half as recently as July 31st, a couple days ago. And something happened because then the Jets were pick them, and now the Jets are favored by two points. Total open 33, got all the way down to 31-and-a-half. You could have bet under 34-and-a-half yesterday. Now it's settled in at 33-and-a-half. This is wild. I think maybe just with more information coming about uh, uh, coming out about who's going to play for both teams. So – we know that Zach Wilson's playing for the Jets tonight. Okay. Does that make you feel better about the Jets when it's you compare it? The under. Well, when you, <laughs> when you compare the Jets to the Browns quarterback situation, which is going to be Kellen Mond and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So at least on one side, the side being the Jets, you have a guy who's made a bunch of starts in the NFL. Yeah. So that's where maybe people are leaning, saying, yeah, I know he's bad, but... He's an NFL starting quarterback where we don't know. DTR is a rookie from UCLA. Kellen Mond's bounce around. So, Is this the most important game of his life? And Kellen Mond did take snaps. He actually like threw the football a couple times in an NFL game. Somehow five yards on two completions. I don't even know how that's possible. Uh, but he was a rookie, though, right? Like no one's gonna take him take seven snaps that seriously. But I remember at the time, like people being really serious about Kellen Mond might take Kirk Cousins' job. Yeah, you know who was not serious about that? Mike Zimmer. He, he was like a no, sir. Uh, or Kellen Mond, apparently. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think Zach Wilson is probably better than uh, than Kellen Mond, but I, I do. Th- I will say this: it, Dorian Thompson Robinson is a guy that's going to be tough to game plan for. He is, he's going to be a unique weapon that you're not going to see guys like him very often. Uh, I, that's a guy who could do damage. So maybe if I'm looking at the Jets, I'm looking at the first half, knowing that Thompson Robinson's playing in the second half. Uh, and and I, could see, I could see them making something happen with him at the helm. This is what I think we're going to see. And, and, and I think the second half will provide scoring opportunities because we're going to see running quarterbacks in the second half of this game against threes you, you mentioned exactly you mentioned dorian thompson robinson and his ability to run the football but chris streveler is going to yeah. play quarterback for the jets as we get into the fourth quarter of this game right he is a just a runner that's it he's a running quarterback that's his claim to fame is he can run the football and so this is a guy who went from the CFL to the Jets, whatever. Uh, he came in for Zach Wilson in week 16 of 2022, passed for 90 yards, and ran for 54 yards. He will run the football tonight. Coach Robert Sala said back then, we were trying to change up to get the run game going. So we're going to see running quarterbacks tonight in the fourth quarter against 
third and fourth string, maybe even beyond practice squad defensive players, I think the second half could provide a score, uh, more scoring. Can I tell you guys a secret? What's that? I want to tell you guys this while RJ's not around, and Fezzik for that matter. I have no idea how people win money betting preseason games. All I hear is like every sharp wins in the preseason. Right. I don't get it. I, I don't know. I don't know how they do it because not every year, but yeah, generally most of our pregame pros do really well in the preseason. A lot of it's information. Uh, it seems like that's the only thing you could have. Who's going to play and how often? But you never know how long someone's going to play for. Yep. Like it, it's, they don't tell you exactly, but they, they give hints. It's the like coaches. it's like the All Star Game. Like oh you like it's like trying to handicap the All Star Game based on starting pitchers. Like, you're probably going to get an inning or two out of that guy, and then who knows what happens from there. It's just – it's very difficult to me. I, I hear all the time that it's it's an easy game to beat. It's a lot easier than the regular season. I think why it's an easy game to beat is what you said at the beginning of this conversation. There's a big, fat middle available right now uh, uh, that you if you bet both right. sides, it's, yep. it's going to be hard to, to miss a profit in some ways. So – it's I see it being beatable in that way, but actually knowing like who's going to win by how many, like if you're trying to bet this day of the game, right? It feels very different. No, I me. think the way that you do it is by obviously either having information before it's public or by assessing the situation better than anybody else does, which is what handicapping is, and being able to get the Jets at plus two or plus three in this game when. All the movement goes towards the Jets, and they're now minus a point and a half. Yeah. Or it's betting the over at 31 and seeing it close at 33 and a half. Or it's betting the under at 34 and seeing it go down to 31. Whatever it is, it's the way that you can play the numbers before they are widely available. Historically, McKenzie, the Hall of Fame game, been very low scoring. Like, is that just kind of the the expectation that this game, we're not even seeing the guys who are, we're not, mostly what we're seeing is guys who won't be on an NFL roster, right? right? And last year, preseason seemed like real NFL football almost. Scoring was way up compared to previous preseasons. Was not the case in the Hall of Fame game. It's a lot of guys that probably won't even play later in the preseason. Uh, they might be part of the first round of cuts, so. I'm not sure that's the reason, though. It seems like there's not enough defensive players that are bad that the offensive players should do just as well. So I'm not exactly sure why, but if we just look at the modern era, 32.5 points per game, so right around where this total's at. Yeah, since 2000, the under 12-8 and eight in the Hall of Fame game, in the last 10 games, 7-3 and three to the under. Uh, since 2014, only two teams have scored 20 or more points in the Hall of Fame game. So this is g generally a very low scoring game. I think that's almost like I think the number's too low though. Well, it's almost like Army Navy to me. It looks really low. It's obviously baked in. Mm -hmm. I don't want any part of betting the over though. But I think that we're going to have a high scoring second half with both Streveler and DTR and that's why that's where I think the value is. I don't even know if there's halftime odds on. I'm not seeing any halftime totals, but if I can get a second half over, that's my best bet. But if I can't, I'm, then I'm going to go with the game over because at 33 and a half, and maybe the public pu push pushes this down a little bit, and I can get it at 32 and a half or 33, uh, I would go with the over just because of these two running quarterbacks in the second half of the I game. I kind of feel like Zach Wilson's going to have a big game. I feel like he needs to. I feel like just like Helen Mond, it's very important to him to you know start changing the narrative. Well, speaking of Zach Wilson, this is what Aaron Rodgers had to say about Zach Wilson and, and him getting the opportunity tonight. It's a tough position. You're, you're the guy. You dealt with all the stuff last year. Um, you know, his, his play on the field, the frustration, some of the stuff that he said, and the stuff that was said about him, which is probably the most difficult by his teammates and by some of you all. And now he's got a chance to kind of reset that whole thing and take back the narrative. I think he's done a great job. He's played really, really well in camp. You guys have watched it, I and mean, he's made a number of great throws. Uh, he looks confident. His fundamentals, I think, are improving. He's throwing the ball on time because he's got all the other intangibles. He can run. He can move. He can throw on the move. He can throw no-look passes. Um, it's just to be a good reset for him. And I think he'll look back years from now and be really thankful for, for this time to uh, – to grow, to reset, to take a breath, and it's going to set him up for a nice long career in the league. Well, that's coming from the mouth of Aaron Rodgers. If we're to believe him, then maybe Zach Wilson does have a big performance tonight. Yeah, I guess you know we what like I the, love about Aaron Rodgers. I guess Rogers? we like the Jets. Energy guy. That's what I've always big thought. Big time about. energy guy. Energy guy. Make sure y'all sit with somebody new at lunch. Yeah. Well, uh, got a I, little Wade Phillips to him. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We're excited. I'm going Jets and over. Parlay enough.
Two bets, one bet. Two bets. Jets and over. Yeah. I, I again, I, I'm no expert on this. I'm not going to pretend like I am. I don't have a great feel for it. I'm. I will sit and watch and see if there's anybody who jumps out as like, oh, maybe that guy can play. But I, I feel like of all the games that I'll watch this preseason, this is the one I'll learn the least from. Let's check in on the rest of the league as we hop around training camps. Uh, a non-training camp story. Uh, Alvin Kamara met with Roger Goodell yesterday in New York. Uh, meeting apparently went well. We will await word on whether or not he will face a suspension. I think a suspension's coming, but I don't think it's going to be anything serious. It might just be the first game of the year, AJ. Yeah, and there was thoughts earlier in the the offseason that it may be like a four-game suspension. So obviously a big difference between one and four games. If it's one game, if you're if it's one game, you're a Saints fan. You're thrilled about that outcome. Yeah, uh, I, I think the quote that we got from Coach Dennis Allen said, "I think it shows initiative on Alvin's part to want to get out ahead of this and get his side of the story out in terms of visiting with the commissioner. So we'll see where it goes. We'll let the process play out, and then we'll react to whatever decision is made." Remember, it was three and a half. Now it's those three. Creeping up to 3.2. Maybe there's a chance he plays. This reminds me a lot of John Morant. Like, a lot of noise for a guy that probably, you know, shouldn't get any positive attention. A lot of positive attention. They're kind of changing the narrative on purpose because he's a big fantasy guy. They want him out there. The big story from yesterday was Cooper Cup leaving practice early with his injury. It's a hamstring injury. He did undergo an MRI, and the reports are that he uh, will be out a couple of weeks. I think this is like the Joe Burrow situation. This is, he's out for a while. We're going to be very careful with him. Uh, we're not going to put a timetable on it because we don't need to. It's the preseason. Mm-hmm. He'll be out there. The, the hope, I'm assuming, when they say he'll be out for a couple of weeks is the hope he will be out there for game one of the regular season. Like, how long is training camp? couple weeks. Like, yeah. So, anybody, any injury that comes up between now and training camp, People are going to say it's a couple weeks, which means you're not going to see him in any preseason games. We're hoping he's ready for week one. If they say it's a couple months, that's when you know guys are going to miss games. I think right now it's just way too hard to tell. But for a guy that missed the final eight games of the year last year with a high ankle sprain and not having a training camp now to get himself in shape and ready, do we look to fade a week in week one? Well, there's not been any movement in the line. Still Seahawks minus five and a half hosting the Rams week one. I, I don't want to fade the Rams week one. I feel like the Rams have been sitting this whole offseason with everyone talking about how shitty they are. And I, I think Sean McVay is excited to get back to playing football. I think there's a lot of people with a lot of questions about this defense, a young defense. Uh, there's a lot of questions about Matt Stafford's health. So if, if Matt Stafford's out on the field, I, I want to back the, the Rams in week one, at least to get catching five points. Desmond Ritter of the Falcons says that it's comforting that his owner is backing him. Arthur Blank came out with a, a vote of confidence for the third-round pick from last season who was going into his first season as the Falcons' starting quarterback. There's a lot of people that are really high on the Falcons. Let, let me just let me, let me correct that. I don't know if it's a lot of people that are high on the Falcons. Mm. We know of a syndicate that's high on the Falcons, and that possibly is why the line has moved on Atlanta this season. But looking at this team— is there anything to really fall in love with besides the fact that they have an easy schedule? I like the skill position players I mean, there. You, you like B. John Robinson. I like B. John Robinson. And Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I like a lot of what they've got. Uh, I like Drake London. I, I, sure. like, I like a lot of their weapons. I don't like their quarterback situation. And, and, and on defense? Is there anybody on defense that's going to – are they going to have – I mean, I guess they got Bud Dupree now. So check, check this out. Desmond Redder was bad, right, the whole time. First week, for, for all four weeks he played – you talk about the syndicate that's behind the Falcons. The Falcons were bet up 20 cents, you know, whatever the line was, 20 cents per game the last four weeks of last season. I don't get it at all. Like they were looking at this quarterback be terrible, and they're like, yep, we want more of that. Let's bet him. Let's bet him more. Unless it's, As soon as the offseason comes, let's bet him. Let's bet him unless, more. Unless it's like reverse steam, pumping him up just to bet against them. Like a billion dollars? <laughs> like yeah, a I, lot I of know. money have to come back the other way. I, I have no idea. But you're right. I do like the the skill position players. Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, as we mentioned. On defense, they get, they have name players. The team on paper seems like a pretty decent team. I and still and it's a it's I, an extremely winnable division. Obviously, yes, of like, course. It, it, there's there's a lot there's a lot to be like. 
it's exciting, at least if, if you're if you want to be optimistic about your team, there's reason to be. Uh, although, you know, last year, uh, at least by DVOA, which is is something that I use throughout the, the regular season, Falcons defense 30th in the league, just ahead of the Raiders. And the Bears, not a good spot to be. Yeah, you kind of just benefit from luck in that point. Where like you can't be thirtieth every year. Well, you know? yeah, RJ says all the time defense is way less sticky than offense. Yeah, shake the snow globe up. You know, I, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's certainly the the offense has the, the defense has a lot to work on. The offense has a lottery ticket in Ritter. Yeah, which a lottery ticket though that I. I'm not confident in. How'd you feel about him in Cincinnati? I, I wasn't a big fan. Like I, I wasn't a big fan of him being a high draft pick. I, I didn't. I, I don't necessarily see it with him. Uh, yeah. I, I, so m- maybe he surprises me. It's it's not like it hasn't happened before. Like somebody that I thought wasn't going to be any good turned out to be really good. But like, but like Jalen Hurts, you could see a path to him being a really successful sure. quarterback. Sure. Oh, yeah. I don't really see it with Ritter. I, I don't either. I still think the Saints have a better roster. Uh, I look at Derek Carr. I trust him certainly more than I trust Ritter. Kamara and Bijan Robinson, you want to call it close? All right, we'll call it close, but we, we know what we're getting out of Kamara. Bijan is just a rookie that we're going to see what we get out of him. Olave and Michael Thomas, better than the wide receiving core for the, the, the Falcons, although. Did you just say Michael Thomas, like he's just going to be out there playing? I think he's off the pup list. Oh, he's, he's, wow. He's, he's, he's here. Well, I mean, yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be great. I mean, when, when's the last time we saw him? Twenty twenty. Defensively, twenty nineteen. The last time he played meaningful snaps. I think defensively, I like. I certainly like the Saints secondary a lot more. Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Marshawn Lattimore. I like that a lot more than I like the Falcons secondary. I would. I would. Think, let me go to PFF. Let's see what PFF has as far as the Saints and the Falcons, where they have them ranked. Saints, they have the nineteenth ranked roster in the NFL right now. And the Falcons, the 26th ranked roster yeah. in the NFL. I guess that's why uh, New Orleans is favored in that division. Right? I, I suppose so. And I, I think that the major factor, quarterback, like it, you, there's no world where I don't trust Derek Carr more than I trust mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter. Yep, Saints plus 120 if you're filling out your 18 parlay on division. Saints plus 120, Falcons second favorite at plus 215. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com SOV. That's drinkag1.com SOV. Check it out. College football realignment, AJ, is coming. And and uh, we it's coming or like I mean it's already here, but yeah. we, we keep saying this. It's we're eventually just gonna head towards the the super conferences. 
I can't imagine the Big Ten still calling themselves the Big Ten once they have 20 teams in them next year because right now the Pac-12 is in serious danger of losing everybody that they have left, and they might go to you know the Big 12 or the Big Ten. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on with Pac-12 schools that are meeting and discussing what they're going to do. This year, I think it's going to be great. I think the Pac-12 is going to be great this year. It's going to be a lot of fun football. Oh, in the, the Pac-12 Pac-12 this year. Uh, particularly on the offensive side. Yes. Like, there's some really fun offenses. Yes, but next year, it probably won't exist. It, it might not. Yeah, it looks like it's crumbling. It is, the Big Ten is now getting back into the Pac-12 business, yep. it appears. They're looking at the potential additions of Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford. I feel like they should just take Oregon and Washington and, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, but like the Arizona schools might go to the Big Twelve. It's just it's it's a whole it's a whole mess. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, man. I wish I bet these conferences. I bet the, I'm guaranteeing you the Big Ten looks at their conference and goes, man. I wish we could get rid of Northwestern. <laughs> I, I, like I wish we could cut a couple schools. Maybe and, they're gonna do like um like a like a European soccer relegation. model where they do That's rele- a good relegation move. and promotion. That's so a good you got move. big you got the Big 10 top and the and the Big 10, you know, subdivision the and small ten. yeah and you, and you get relegated. You know what? That's what like division 2 and like FBS and FCS should work that way. North Dakota State like you know, you know, it worked that way in my high school, and there was no prouder achievement in my life than saying we're going to go the best division in Chicago basketball yeah. next year, where I'm not going to be there. I don't have to play them because we won our division. That would be awesome. Listen, like you win the you win the FCS national championship, like congratulations. Now you're playing Division One football next year. Yeah, and if you have a bad season, guess what? You're dropping down. It happens. Ironically, the way the terrible system now is set up is, if you're a great uh, FCS team and you say I'm moving to FBS. Uh, you can't win your conference. You can't go to a bowl game. Like they make it impossible for you to have any success at the next level because I have no idea why that's a rule, but that's the rules in both college basketball and football. Absurd rules. Yeah, we need a new governing body. The NCAA never made any sense ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Pac 12, you mentioned the crumbling of it. Like if these four schools, Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford, go to the Big Ten, uh, there's rumors that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are now pondering similar moves yep, to the Big 12. Big 12. Mm-hmm. Poor Oregon and Oregon State and Washington State, rather. Those two schools with no suitors, nowhere to go. Relegated to the subdivision. Wel- we know this. Welcome to the Mountain West Conference, yeah. boys. Uh, and a lot of this Pac-12 drama stems from the the television deal that they apparently did not get. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, like the Pac-12's best media rights offer looks like it's a – an Apple TV deal mm-hmm. that would be worth about $20 million per program, which is, just to put it in perspective, $10 million less per year than the Big 12 schools get. And it, now it could, there's like a, if a, enough people subscribe and watch Pac-12 football, it could escalate. But it, it doesn't look like there's any, any real television interest mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. So th- things are just kind of falling apart. And we knew it would. When USC and UCLA said they were out, it's like, it's almost the same thing as uh, Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12. It's like, oh, what are they going to do? Now, the Big 12 at least has been proactive. They said, you know what? We've got to find a way to fix this. Let's add in. They added four new programs for this year for football. It looks like they're adding more. The Pac-12, just they, it's like they were late to the party, and they're like, oh, we'll figure this out. We'll figure it out. And then it's like it's too late to figure it out. Your conference doesn't exist anymore. Who wins the final Pac-12 championship this year we'll talk about that next week in our pac-12 preview that's a good tease iowa state 81 <laughs> I, world. you know what i'll let you i'll i'll t- hold your money that that Are iowa you state me? doesn't you know what i'll give you a thousand to one really that I'll iowa you, state I'll, doesn't I'll, win I'll the only 80 to one i'll give you a million to one you'll give me a, i'll take it i'll bet you a hundred dollars <laughs> i'll give you a million to one that <laughs> i have state doesn't win pac-12 <laughs> iowa state doesn't play in the pac-12 did brock Brady play for iowa state he did but I exactly. would say, I would say, it's not, I would say it's not in the Pac-12. That's why we're willing to give you such a good number. Oh damn! Yeah, <laughs> I'll still take it. I'll I mean, a million dollars. <laughs> I mean, it, it could happen. Breaking news: that Iowa State has joined the Pac-12 immediately, and all charges against Hunter Decker have been dropped. Uh, uh, well, there could be another major conference that reshuffles, and that's the ACC. A report came out yesterday that Florida State would consider leaving the ACC unless there is some radical change to the revenue distribution model. If Florida State leaves the ACC, that conference crumbles. 
listen, it, Florida State, it, it, you can say what you want about what they've been in football the last 10 years or so. They are the brand when it comes to football in the ACC. I know Clemson's won two national championships in the last, what, eight years? That's all fine and good. Might as well be an SEC school. I, I, well, Florida State might be an SEC yeah. school is, is what I'm reading between the lines at. But the the president of Florida State's Richard McCullough, said, we are not currently satisfied with our situation. While we love the ACC and our goal is to stay in the ACC, but to stay there under the current situation is hard for us to figure out how we remain competitive unless there's a major change in revenue distribution within the conference. So basically they're saying we're not getting our share of the pie mm-hmm. in this situation. Uh, it, it's crazy to me that somehow, like if, if I were in charge of the ACC, I would be okay with Wake Forest being mad at me. Right. I, I would be okay with Virginia Tech being upset at their piece of the pie. I want Florida State to be happy. I want Clemson to be happy. And quite honestly, I probably want North Carolina and Duke to be happy because mm-hmm. on the basketball side, yep. that's who that's who keeps the things running. Uh, and truthfully, maybe as as important as Florida State and uh, and and Clemson when it comes to football, like I, you still kind of want to keep Notre Dame happy because as long as Notre Dame's attaching their brain yeah, to you in non-football sports, yeah. that's a big deal. But how you let Florida State get to a point where they're dissatisfied with their chunk of the pie? Is insane to me. I remember when the big when the uh, the Big Twelve first started to break up when Nebraska and Colorado left the Big Twelve uh, several years back, and it was basically everybody was frustrated that Texas and Oklahoma were getting more of the pie that like it wasn't split equally, which I I don't believe it should be. Like mm-hmm. I believe it should be like like Alabama and Vanderbilt shouldn't get the same share of SEC pie. I'm not saying they don't like at least from the revenue sharing standpoint, but it doesn't make sense to me. Whoever brings more money to the conference should get a bigger share of the, the overall pie. How Florida state is somehow not getting a fair share is tells me there's just a failure at the top of the ACC. Well, I think you and I, when it comes to Florida state on the field are going to have some disagreements. We did our ACC football preview with Steve Fezzik sitting in AJ and I going head-to-head when it comes to the Seminoles. Let's get into the ACC. We'll have a winner, a dark horse, uh, a forced over, and a forced under in the ACC. And uh, I think we've got some disagreement at the top here, Scott. So uh, I'll let you take the lead. Who is your ACC champion? My champion is Clemson, and it's correlated to my overplay, which is Clemson over 10. Uh, I love the flat number because I think that the push is the worst-case scenario here. When you look at their team, Cade Klubnik now takes over at starting quarterback, and he should be a star. Running back Will Shipley is an absolute beast, and the defense is so elite. They have two tackles in the middle that could play in the SEC, and they're the only team in the country outside of the SEC that has these type of caliber players on defense. The offense last year, 33 points per game, over 400 yards per game. will be better this year with Klubnik at quarterback. And you look at their schedule. The three toughest games are all at home. They got Notre Dame at home, North Carolina at home, and Florida State at home. And I'll be honest, they could probably play Florida State twice. Remember, the ACC doesn't have divisions this year. The two top teams are going to play each other in the conference championship game. But when it comes to Clemson against Florida State, They've won seven straight games against Florida State. They have not lost to Florida State since Jameis Winston was the quarterback there. They only have back-to-back road games one time this season. I think the schedule plays into their hands. At worst, they are a 10-win football team, and this number pushes. But I think 11 wins is a realistic expectation, possibly even an undefeated season if they do get by Notre Dame. That's a 12-win season and an ACC championship. My question to you, what did what have you seen in your life mm-hmm. from Cade Klubnik that makes you think he will be elite? I think he played very well last year in limited, in limited opportunity, and he was one of the top recruited team players in the country. Everyone I, wanted this kid. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those guys turn into sure, dog shit. Sure, uh, Like DJ Uyunglele. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it happens all the time, and – like Klubnik, th- he he threw for a lot of empty yards, 
uh, in the bowl game against Tennessee, but he threw two picks. He just – no touchdowns. He, was, he wasn't that good, and that was against – I mean, Tennessee's a, a good defense. I don't think Tennessee was, like, an elite defense. He's the fourth favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. A lot of people are high on him. Sure, but I mean but, – but why? Because of what he did in high school? Because he got he yeah. has a bunch of stars by his name when he when he got recruited. I, I don't I, that just doesn't. I, I don't know how much that means now. And uh, we we saw Tyler Van Dyke uh, at Miami. Same thing mm-hmm. last year. I think he was top five in high, preseason Heisman. By the end of the season, everybody's like, "What's going on with this kid? Like, can he play?" The question's going into this year: is, Can Van Dyke play? So. Where's the, where's the three losses on their schedule? I'm not saying there's three losses, and I I, I don't think there are. I think the, the ACC more than any conference. Mm-hmm. I I like the win total over. The little like Clemson's favored in every single game this season, so they win every game. They're twelve and zero. Like yeah, their margin for error isn't that good because I got projected numbers on mm-hmm. all these teams. So Florida State and Notre Dame minus three projected. Exactly, they're so, home, they're favored. So it's it's a tall order to ask them to sweep there. Um, and then they, they, there's a lot of minefields here where minus eight and a half in Miami, Florida, minus eight and a half at NC State, minus eight and a half North Carolina, minus seven at South Carolina. So that opener against Duke at Duke. So that's uh, minus ten and a half at Duke. So you get you, you. I mean, it sounds like well, that's a win. That's a win. That's mm-hmm, a win. You, mm-hmm. you stack you stack four minus eights together. That's only two point eight wins. That's that. I mean, the, the three is good. You know, with a ten, with a win total of ten, it's allowing them to lose one of those close home games, and have one hiccup on the road and push the number at ten and two. Which is obviously that's why the number's ten. And yes, that's the, that's the most likely scenario. And then the, and two point eight might be too low. So three. Mm-hmm. So then the question is: So if it's three, if they drop one of those games, you could make you could certainly make the case of well, they're going to win the rest of them probably. And now, if they go one on one, we push, and if they sweep, they they, they get to yes. 11. and ten and two. Even if they do, even if they wind up pushing that number, that's still going to be first or second place in the ACC. They will be in the ACC championship I, game. I honestly, where they will be favored in the ACC championship. I don't. I, no, I think it'll probably be a pick'em. I mean, you, well, it depends what happens in that game against Florida State because yeah. it winds up being a rematch against Florida State, and if they beat them convincingly at home, they're certainly not going to be a pick'em against Florida State in the ACC championship game. Yeah. Here's what Florida State has that that Clemson doesn't have, and I like Florida State to win the conference at plus 150. This is going to be great because I'm going to go after you. Go ahead. Florida State's got something that that really nobody else in the conference has, and that is consistency. They've got the same coach. They've got the same OC. They've got the same quarterback that they did a year ago. Jordan Travis is in his sixth year, and he had a breakout season. Uh, I I have no reason to think he's not going to be even better plays behind one of the best offensive lines in football, maybe the best outside of Michigan. Uh, he's got two elite weapons on the outside, six foot seven Johnny Wilson and Jaheim Bell, the, the tight end transfer from South Carolina. And then you add the elite run game that they had last year. I think they can compete with anyone in the conference. The run defense was an issue last year. Like there, there's no doubt that that's something that they have to shore up before they take the next step. But they did a great job addressing the line through the transfer portal. It helps that most of these teams are going to have to run because mm-hmm. you can't pass on this team. They they are world-class pass rush and back end. Their secondary's elite. Uh, the home schedule, and this is why I like Florida State, the home schedule is a walkthrough. Yes. They cannot lose a home game. Like you, They might as well just have bye weeks every week. Uh, and all you've got to do is finish top two. And with the new setup of the ACC, you're not worried about who's going to win this division. This so th- division. This is, let me get this straight. This is your champion, not a win total bet. Not a win total. Okay, this okay. is just for the championship. Because oh, my win total and cha- and over are, uh, my my champion Yours are and, the same. and win total are correlated. Yes, I think that I think that these two. I mean, I, I think one of us wins this bet for sure for who wins the ACC. I don't see another team really having a realistic shot. I would almost write in pencil unless there's an injury mm-hmm. to a quarterback. These are the teams that are going to be playing in the ACC championship. I agree. And I, I like what Florida State's doing a little bit more right now, plus 150. I, I, I feel like that's better than I'd be able to get on game day. Clemson's plus 145 to win. Yep. The, very, so I like, very close. Very close. Now, I have Clemson over 10 wins, and I think at worst-case scenario, it's a push. I have Florida State under 10 wins. I, I want to hear why. And at worst-case scenario, it's a push. Lose the opener to LSU. Lose the road game to Clemson. Worst-case scenario. This is a 10 and 2 team. I mean, best case scenario, excuse me, if you have the under. And they're underdogs in both games. They're dogs against LSU. They're dogs at Clemson. 
their dogs at home to LSU, who they beat, not at home, or, neutral oh, excuse, site. a neutral site, who mm-hmm. they beat last year. Sure, LSU, okay. LSU. Didn't you and I talk about them as potential college football playoff yeah. team? Like they're LSU's going to be really good. They were this really year. good last year. Yeah, I agree. I think they're better this year. A little sharp money early on. On well, correction, a little money. It's mm-hmm. too early to say sharp. Sure, money. a sure. little money on Florida State uh, taking out the plus three down to two and a half. I think. Sure. Um, like I said, if they lose to LSU and lose to Clemson on the road, at at the only that it's a if they win the rest of the games, this is just a push at ten. That's why I like the flat number. Under is minus one forty. Juice, by the way. Uh, if they have one more loss, then you cash this thing. You, you're right. The home games are easy, but the road games are tough. Um, Florida State hasn't beaten Wake Forest since 2018. They haven't won a game in Winston-Salem since 2017, and now they have to go there this year to, to, to face them. The defense struggled last year against elite passers. We know their offense is going to be good under Travis. Can this defense hold up when they go up against Daniels and LSU? When they go up against Club Nick and Clemson in that high-powered offense, when they go to, you know, against, you know. Again, wait. no one thought Clemson's offense was high-powered last year. Literally no 33 one. points per game, over 400 points, over 400 yards per game. Did it feel like, is it, is it what you expected? No, but that's because we have lofty expectations. It's still one of the top, producti- top production-wise. I think, I, 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 I like Florida State. I really do. I really do. But I think at best they are a 10-2 and two football team, which is why I'll take the under 10 because all it takes is one screw-up, yep. and they're a nine-win football team. One bad weather day in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and in November, it. and yep. the team from Florida comes in, and they're shivering on the sidelines, and it's 35 it's it degrees. Takes. Or they lose at Gainesville, final game of the season, rivalry week, lose to Florida, whatever. Nine wins. Like, the, 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 there's no margin for error. Now, granted, if they beat LSU— well, I mean, you're saying there's no margin for error for, against a team that they're a coin flip, basically, against that they beat a year ago, and they're probably going to be a, a what a three-point, four-point dog at Clemson. Like, these aren't, like, locks. No. So, like, saying that they like they can't afford any—they could win They could win at LSU, and then how good do you feel about your under? If they if they win at LSU, you don't feel good about the under, but if they lose against LSU, you're feel like, great about I, I, I win or I push. Exactly. Yeah. Lose the lose game one against LSU, and I think that this is at worst a push. But I, I feel really good about it. And if they beat LSU, well, then I'm like, well, then I, I need the upset. Then I, I need, I them need to some lose in, game. I need some injuries. I need, I need something to yeah. get wrong. I need help. And that's why I prefer Florida State for winning the ACC versus winning or going over a win total because that that LSU game really. You're right because they can be good. nine and three and be the second place yeah. team in the ACC. Because their ACC record will be, they'll have one, they're a one loss ACC team. Their only conference loss is probably going to be to Clemson. They'll run through the rest of their schedule, and then it's like, okay, their win total goes under, but they only have one loss in the conference. They're the second place team in the conference, and they go to the conference championship game. I'll go ahead, since you went to your win total under, I'll go to mine. Uh, Mine is Virginia, and I feel bad. It's under three and a half. I feel bad because Tony Elliott's first season couldn't have gone much worse. They were, they were, the on-field struggles were expected, but you have three players murdered. It kind of put a cloud over his whole first season, and they're basically trying to reset this whole thing again. Brendan Armstrong gone to NC State. What was supposed to be a QB battle between Monmouth transfer Tony Musket and their veteran backup, Jay Wolfolk, has now become a one-horse race because Wolfolk decided a week or two ago uh, I'm going to go and focus on baseball. I'm going to take the season off from football. He's a, an MLB prospect. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So he's out. So that means Monmouth transfer. Uh, Tony Musket is at the helm. I I mean, I've seen some film on him. I don't know if, like, playing at Monmouth transfers to or translates to the ACC. That's hard. Their best running back that they brought in, another guy coming from the – the lower levels of college football, trying to make a big jump to the ACC. And the cupboard's relatively bare for Musket. They lost their top three receivers to graduation or the portal. Uh, Their leading returning production is a tight end named Grant Mish. He had 17 catches a year ago. That's the best. That's the most production they've got coming back. Uh, And their leading rusher last year was Brennan Armstrong, who, as I mentioned, their quarterback, who is now gone. Most of the defense returns from last year. They lost their top two corners, though. They lost their best linebacker to the portal. 
They did bring in a guy from Clemson, uh, a transfer named Malcolm Green at corner. But I think generally the the, the defense is going to be about the same, uh, maybe not better, not worse. And what's the number? Three and a half. Three and a half. All the right. schedule is very manageable, by the way. Like there's. They avoid FSU and Clemson, which sure. I don't like. Sure. Right now, there's one win on their schedule, and that's William and Mary. I don't even know if that's a win. Well, William I, and Mary was like ten and two last yeah. year. Well, I, I was going to say that about James Madison. I don't James, think James Madison's a win. James Madison, I would bet, is a loss. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like it, you, ten, their non-conference is it's a non-starter with Tennessee. Yeah, they're so not beating Tennessee. This is, the, this is the schedule: Tennessee, James Madison, Maryland, NC State, Boston College, William and Mary, North Carolina, Miami, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Duke, and Virginia Tech. You want to say win one of the James Madison, William and Mary games, and then beat Boston College and. I, I don't know, Georgia Tech at home? That's they'll, it? They'll be favorite against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I, so I think three-win team? I think what you're getting here is you're seeing people who look at the schedule and they see, oh, James Madison, there's a free win. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, no. You see William & Mary, mm-hmm. oh, there's a free win. And they are a, a, an, FC, or an FCS school, but they're like a, a very high-level FCS school who can compete with this team. Like, I've got no doubt that they can compete with this team. Uh, they beat Charlotte last year, and Charlotte uh, obviously isn't an ACC school, but Charlotte last year I think was better than this team. Well, let me ask you. I mean, aren't a lot of these other teams way down, like Boston College, Georgia yes. Tech, and Virginia Tech, though? Yes. Yes, which is why like, I think their three wins, like I said, could be one of the James Madison, William, and Mary games. They'll split those, and I think they'll beat Boston College, and they'll beat Georgia Tech. I don't think – I. I think Boston College may be a buy-on team. Like, I kind of okay. like what I've what I've been reading about Boston College. So, I, I don't think very highly of Georgia Tech. But, I, I you know what? I, I really think Virginia is the worst team in this conference. Um, they'll Like you said, they'll be favored against Georgia Tech. But I don't think, I don't think on a neutral they're necessarily better than them. So, uh, yeah, this is, a, uh, this is a, an under for me on Virginia, under three and a half. All right, I'll go with my dark horse here. And remember our dark horse rules, anything above five to one is considered a dark horse. Well, I'm going to go a little bit higher than the uh, five to one. Let's go North Carolina 10 to one. We've got the same one here. So this really? This will be easy. All right. Here's my reasoning. First off, just get into the game, right? Finish second in the ACC, you get into the game, and once you're in the game, you're getting a great number at 10-1 to 1 here. Drake May is one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Uh, I think that under new offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey, he's only going to get better. Their schedule is tough to start, but then it softens up greatly, and there's no Florida State, no Notre Dame, and look, it, let's just start with the opener, neutral field, against South Carolina, they win that game, there's a possibility this is a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 7-0 team, 8-0 team, 9-0 team. Like, literally, look at the look at this schedule. Neutral site, South Carolina, which is in North Carolina. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, then they have App State. Not a, not a guarantee, but you got App State on the schedule. Home to Minnesota, tough game. Okay? Tough game, but you got them at home. Pittsburgh on the road, Syracuse, Miami, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell, Duke. This Saturday, November 18th, it's going to be Saturday night football on ABC, college game day. We're going to have two undefeated teams in Clemson and North Carolina in an ACC championship game preview. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it's something I could see. I, I consider him a dark horse for one reason. Even they've if they've they, got the best quarterback in the conference. If they beat Pittsburgh, which is a tough game. If they beat Pittsburgh on the road, lose to Clemson, let's say, they're 7-1 and one in the conference. Yeah. They're going to be laying three or more in every one of their games yes. to Clemson. They're, they're going to go seven. They have the chance to go 7-1 and, one and in the point, conference. And at that point, you can just earn. I mean, if they're 8-0, if they're no, you've you got, you got a bevy you're in the, of You're in the championship cause, game. Cause they're gonna, yes. And if they're 7-1, and one, the only thing that I have concerns about is that if they're 7-1 and one, and if Florida State's 7-1, and one, it comes down to a tiebreaker of who gets into the championship game because they don't play each other. Yeah. What's the tiebreaker? It'll be the highest, the higher ranked, um, the higher ranked uh, college football playoff ranking team. Oh, they'll lose because the assumption will be Florida State has either a win over Clemson or yeah, they got... LSU. No, not necessarily. They if they're both... both, if they're both seven and one, if they're both seven and one in conference, they both could have lost to Clemson. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And then it's just 
Florida, what Florida State was ranked higher to start the year, so they'll be still be ranked. You well, never but know, if, though. if North Carolina doesn't have another, North Carolina is an eleven and one team. But here's and, the thing: if North Carolina is ten and two, then yeah. then North Carolina will be higher. North Carolina will be higher ranked, yeah. and they'll be in the championship game. Yeah. But if they're both have the same record, I don't know. If they both have the same record, Florida that means Florida State has a win over LSU, which will trump anything. Or, or they could have had a hiccup somewhere. We don't know. No, they, just, but then that would mean that they beat Clemson. So, like, it, one of those two things would have to happen for there to be a tie, is what I'm saying. I, I think the – I worry I, – I think the offense is elite. I think their offense is going to do what they want. Their defense is terrible. It was Like, it was the worst in the conference last year. Yards, points allowed, they were the worst defense. Gene Chizik has said they're going to blitz more this year. They're going to try to bring uh, bring pressure with blitzing, which which may help. But there's just not a lot to like about the defense. But – at ten to one, when you've got the best quarterback in the conference, if you, it's not, it's worth dropping a half a unit on as a dark horse, I think. Yeah, I, I um, to me, that's. Oh, here we go. Here's the here's the tie-breaking policy. Head-to-head is number one. Winning percentage against common opponents is number two. Then winning percentage against common common opponents based on order of finish is three. Then combined win percentage of conference opponents, then it goes down to the higher analytical rating. Too complicated. So, yeah. It's yeah. So they're not doing what um, other conferences have done, which is just go with the higher ranked uh, college ball playoff team. I think that might be if there's like a three-way tie. Like I know that's what the Big Ten does. If there's a three-way tie. Like if Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all beat yeah. each other, it goes to the higher strength team that gets into the Big Ten championship game. But no, so this is a different tiebreaker. It'll be winning percentage against common opponents and things like that. So it could get complicated towards the end of the season, but hopefully it doesn't have to get there. Ten to one, I think, is just a nice ticket to have on North Carolina. All right, for my uh, win total over, I'm going to go with Louisville over eight, and this is steamed up a little bit, unfortunately, but I I still like it. Louisville. This mostly revolves around the coaching change that they made. I I think there is an instant upgrade with Jeff Brom in the fold. I mean, Satterfield just was it was never good there. And Louisville wanted Brom all along, uh, and he quarterback. he turned Purdue from a perennial loser. I think they'd lost five seasons in a row, had a losing record. And then last year, he, or yeah, just last year, he had him playing in the Big Ten title game. If you can do that at Purdue, I think there's a lot you can do at Louisville. Uh, the offense, is it's a lot of new parts, which is a little concerning for sure. Jack Plummer, who worked with uh, with Brom's son, who is the, the OC, Worked with him at Cal. Best season he ever had was there. Uh, and they brought in a ton of new wide receivers. But I think under that Brian Brom system, uh, I, I think that they develop pretty quickly. So between Jeff and Brian, I think they're going to they're gonna have the offense clicking pretty quick. They also killed the portal on the defensive side. And most notably in the backfield. Storm Duck from North Carolina. Uh, Devin Neal from Baylor. Gilbert uh, Franson uh, from uh, Miami. And Frierson, excuse me, from Miami. And the thing that really has me buying Louisville is their schedule. They avoid Clemson. They avoid Florida State. They avoid North Carolina. And they get Duke at home. So the four best, the four best teams in the conference by just by conference title odds, mm-hmm. they play the the fourth on that list, and they play them at home. Uh, their non-conference, Murray State. Indiana, Kentucky, all at home. They only have three true road games this season because they're playing Georgia Tech in Atlanta at the at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Basically a road game. It's a home game for Georgia Tech. Come on. Are there really going to be way more Georgia Tech fans there than Louisville fans? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think Georgia Tech's garnering that much support, especially while it's they're in their home city? It's not like it's a travel spot, <laughs> but it's not on their campus. Sure, I mean, there's a big difference there. Like, they they're. The place isn't going to be sold out with Georgia Tech fans is the point. If Louisville fans want to come, they're going to come. And uh, those those three road games, I just don't see how they fall short of eight wins, given what I believe to be a, a pretty massive upgrade on the sidelines. Six huge favorite games where they should be double digits or more, and six pretty close to pick them games. That means nine and three. I'll take that. Distance, between, three, yeah. distance between Bobby Dodd Stadium and uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 
six minutes. Right, but do you like? Do you think there's no difference between when they play at home and when they play in Mercedes? Yeah, Stadium? yeah. There's more tickets to be sold, but like they're not selling out Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think the same amount of fans that go to a Georgia Tech home game at Bobby Dodd are going to the Georgia Tech game at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't even think that's true. You just might have like a couple of more Louisville fans. There. I, I don't. Th- I really don't think that's true. I think kids on college campuses, when the game is on campus, will go to the game. I, I they walk to the other stadium. <laughs> okay, good luck getting kids to walk and six Chick-fil-A's miles. And Chick Fil A's open. It's a sa- oh, it's a Friday. <laughs> Chick Fil A's going to be open at there's, the stadium. There's four Chick Fil A's between <laughs> Bobby Dodd and Mercedes Benz. So there you go. That covers it for our ACC preview. I think what do we got left? Pac twelve next weekend, right? Or Pac twelve next week? This time next week? That conference doesn't exist. It exists barely. We'll talk about it next week. AJ, the Kansas City Royals may never lose again. Oh, they've ruined the system. Five straight wins for the Royals after they beat the Mets 4 nothing last night. One went away from sweeping the Mets. Could you yep. imagine from could you imagine before the season? Forget about now because the Mets have sold everybody. But if I told you before the season started, give me odds on August 1st through the 3rd, the Royals sweeping the Mets. Uh, they they would have been long, but I, I'll say this. I didn't know the Royals were going to be as bad as they are either. That's like, true. That's so true. both of these teams have underperformed expectations. Just the, I mean, the Royals massively. What, what if I told you after winning the first two games of the series, the Royals would be favored in the third <laughs> game? Uh, it's like upside down. I don't remember the last time the Royals were favored in a major league baseball it's, game. It's, McKenzie, can you pull that up? See when, when's the last time the Kansas city Royals were a favorite in a major league baseball game. It hasn't happened a lot this year. Uh, as a favorite, the Kansas City Royals this season are 3-11. and So it's only been 14 times this but entire I, season. I would imagine a good chunk of those came early in the season. Like I said, when nobody realized sure, how, how sure. bad they yeah. were. Yep. I mean, in the last month or two, it's it feels like these situations have been few and far between. Uh, day game between Carrasco and Singer. And the fact that Carlos Carrasco—I mean, if I told you two years ago Carlos Carrasco mm-hmm. would be a dog to yep. Brady Singer, what would you? That's that's true. <laughs> Times they do a change. Uh, elsewhere in Major League Baseball, it, it's been a an interesting season. July seventeenth, by the way, against the Tigers. Last yeah, year. I figured it had to be against the Tigers. Uh, it's been an interesting season for Yankees Domingo Herman. Earlier in the season, suspended for violating the sticky stuff, the illegal substance rule. It was just sweat and sunscreen. Sure, rosin. Oh, okay. He then gives up 10 runs in a start. That's not good. But the next start that he makes after allowing 10 runs, he throws a perfect game. (laughs) Then he is. That is good, by the way. That's the first good thing that happens. Yes. Then he's got armpit pain, so he can't start his last start, but comes in relief and throws five shutout innings. And yesterday has left the team as he is on the restricted list now. There is reports of alcohol abuse issues with Herman. The bottom line, he is in checking himself into an alcohol treatment facility and getting the help that he needs. He will not return to the Yankees this season. I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist, but if I was writing a movie right. about a troubled major league pitcher, and there was a game where he showed up to the park drunk and couldn't get out and throw before the game. And he said, my armpit hurts. And the coach said, what? He's like, yeah, it just feels weird in my armpit. And that's what, instead of saying I've got a hangover, he said my armpit hurt. Or, and then like he, or again, this who's is, writing this movie, Scott? I'm, I'm, listen, <laughs> we're a writing, we're a writing team. Like right now, you, this is like Saturday Night Live. Like you came in and presented an idea. Okay. All right. All and, right. And I'm Lauren and I'm like, it's not really believable. <laughs> uh, but it, I'll change the story and I'll say, what if he came in and they saw that he was maybe intoxicated and said, you like, you can't start. Like, we're going to make up a story about you having discomfort. You'll sit in the locker room and yeah, drink coffee. Exactly. <laughs> like, sober up. And then, like, if you're, and then, like, he comes out of the locker room like an hour later and is like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And they're like, all right, we'll go to the bullpen and warm up. Maybe. I don't know. Again, this Unbelievable. is completely conjecture. Because we were uh, thinking, like, why would he come in in the second inning? Did yep. it make any sense? And then he, he – well, how many great innings did he throw after Five shutout innings. Five shutout innings. He's like Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis, high as a Georgia pine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Yankees picked up a win yesterday over Shane McClanahan as Garrett Cole might have solidified his Cy Young 
bid in the American League. Mackenzie, get the updated Cy Young odds, please. Garrett Cole was the favorite, and after last night's performance, improving to 10-2 on the season with a 2-6-4 ERA, he gives up a home run to Wander Franco in the first inning, killed my nerfie. Uh, but then fool's gold. I tell you those yeah, nerfies, but then proceeded to throw seven innings, only allowing those two runs four total hits, eight strikeouts. He has had an incredible season, a kind of resurgent season for Garrett Cole. Do you realize that like last year, he was one of the top pitchers in major league baseball, allowing home runs this year. He's allowed 14 home runs all season. And he had to get used to pitching without the sticky stuff. That, that very well could be it. Uh, minus 130, by the way, to win the AL Minus 130 Young. to win the AL Cy Young. He's got 11 no decisions this year. Could you imagine if the Yankees just scored a couple of more runs in those 11 games? Let's say he wins five out of the 11. All right? I'm not, I'm not even saying he wins six or seven. Just five. He'd have 15 wins right now and well on pace to be a 20-game winner. 20 wins is, like, hard now in Major League Baseball because guys just don't – you know, bullpens are used now more than ever and openers and whatever. But he's 10 and 2 with an incredible ERA. Imagine if it was 15 and 2, like how people would think of him a little differently. But uh, a great season so far right now for Garrett Cole. Let's take a look at the schedule for today. We got a couple of day games Phillies and the Marlins. Johnny Cueto against Michael Lorenzen, the newest starter for the Phillies. Phillies are minus 130, total of 8.5. In that one, White Sox at the Rangers, Tiki Toussaint on the mound for the White Sox. Max Scherzer makes his first start for the Texas Rangers. Texas minus 260. You back in Scherzer here in his first Texas start? I'm not. Okay. I'm, I not, I'm not going against him. It's just uh, I want to see him get used to the ballpark. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll sit this one out. The Rangers won 11 to one yesterday. Uh, White Sox just can't score. I wouldn't. Yeah. Be, I, I almost bet Dylan Cease day, and I'm boy, am I glad I did not. I'd say maybe go over the strikeout prop for for Scherzer. He's at seven and a half, and it's plus money to the over. I think he's going to throw a gem. You know, it wouldn't shock me one single bit if Max Scherzer left the game with discomfort. <laughs> Mets. <laughs> that seems like the most Max Scherzer yeah. way to welcome himself to a new team. Uh, you mentioned Mets and Royals, Carlos Carrasco, Brady Singer. The Royals are actually a slight favorite in this game as they've won five straight, minus 118 on the Kansas City Royals. Orioles are at the Blue Jays. Jack Flaherty makes his Baltimore debut. Kevin Gosman on the mound for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays minus 162. Diamondbacks at the Giants. Ben Fad. Gets this <laughs> what it's P F A A D T. It's French. I looked it yeah. up. It's it's actually spelled fat, I think. It's pronounced fat. Scott Alexander. Yeah, yeah. Scott Alexander on the mound for the Giants in this one. I don't know if I can go with fat. I like it. You like it? All right. Yeah. Astros and Yankees. Christian Javier for the Astros. Clark Schmidt for the Yankees. Yankees will probably see Justin Verlander this weekend. I think they will. Yep. Uh, Javier and the Astros, a minus 112 favorite. Yankees have to figure out their pitching situation for this weekend because Nestor Cortez back off the IL. He'll start this weekend. I don't know when, but he'll start this weekend. Rodon will start this weekend, so they'll figure things out here. Pirates are at the Brewers. Mitch Keller for the Pirates. Adrian Hauser from Milwaukee. Brewers minus 140. Twins at the Cardinals. Sonny Gray. For Minnesota, they are minus 140. Matt Libertor goes for St. Louis. Reds are at the Cubs. Luke Weaver for Cincinnati. Jameson Tyone for the Cubbies, who are minus 165. Brian Wu. Woo, woo, woo for the Mariners. Woo. Shohei Otani on the mound for the Angels. I Angels, good. they got to right the ship. You know, they've lost two straight now. They're watching their wild card hopes slip away. <laughs> Uh, bye, bye, bye. Exactly. Uh, I think the Angels uh, with Otani should be able to pick up a dub here. And the A's at the Dodgers. J.P. Sears for the A's. Julio Urias for the Dodgers. Dodgers minus 285. Uh, that's a, First of all, let me just say one thing. I don't know if I'll bet the Oakland A's because that would be just crazy. Julio Urias has been either really good or really dreadful uh, the last few starts, including getting lit up by the Kansas City Royals. So mm -hmm. uh, I, there's no possible way I could lay that kind of a number with the Dodgers. Speaking of numbers, if you'd like to take advantage of the great numbers available at pregame.com, yeah, that's my way of saying we got some discounted packages for you. We have season-long subscription packages, daily best bets, and the number that we're going to give you is 20. What does that mean? 20% off. Yes, 20% off using the promo code 
CAMP20. That'll get you 20% off your purchase at pregame.com. Sign up to be a pregame.com member. It's free, and when you do sign up, you get $25 in your account. Spend it however you'd like. And then maybe use that 25 and the 20%, save a boatload of money, win a boatload of money, you know, take advantage of the offers that we have available for you at pregame.com. NFL preseason begins tonight. Jets and the Browns in the Hall of Fame game. You got two best bets for that game? Jets and the over. I like it. More so second half over. If there's a sports book that allows you to bet halves, the second half over, Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback for the Browns, Chris Strebler at quarterback for the Jets. A lot of running, a lot of running around, a bunch of third and fourth string, maybe fifth string defensive players. Don't be surprised if we get rushing scores for both DTR and Strebler tonight. For Mackenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas, AM.